All right, well, welcome and good morning. My name is Chris Plegenpohl, and I am so excited that all of you are here on Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you are excited about the Super Bowl? Uh, how many of you, like, if the Cowboys aren't in it, I don't care? Yeah, all right, so uh, there's a lot of us that are feeling like the, the teams that were supposed to be in it were not, and so therefore, this is a Super Bowl of irrelevance. However, it is kind of cool to watch Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase throw bombs all day long, or Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. So I kind of am going for the Rams just because I feel like Matthew Stafford needs one. I, I kind of feel bad for him, all right? So it's like a, it's like a mercy Super Bowl. Okay. All right, so uh, one of the things that we love, if you're new here, I'm so glad, um, we love questions, okay? So if you're a person that, like, has questions and you think Christians are crazy in general, uh, we welcome that. And uh, I need a little help on my forward the sliding thing, and we're not well, able to do that very well. How about that? Nope. All right, so here's what I need. Uh, Andy, I think you're going to be sliding my, for- my slides forward. All right, so hit me on the next one. Let's see if that's doable. There we go. All right, so, yeah, Beautiful. If, you, if ever anything just stops, just turn around and sneer at the tech team. They love that, okay? All right, <laughs> all right so no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're doing the best they can back there. So one of the things we do with questions, all right, and what if you have a question, if you're not a Christian, you think we're crazy, which, you know, to believe that some guy 2,000 years ago died on a cross, rose to the dead, and that has implications for us today, that's on the level of crazy. But the reality is it has transformed my life, and I have the Spirit of God indwelling me, and so I want to share that with you. And so any questions you have, man, hit us up. Or if you have a question about anything we're talking about in the sermon as it pertains to love, because not only is it Super Bowl Sunday, it's Valentine's Day weekend. Did you guys know that? And do you know last night the, uh, the youth hosted uh, all of our children while we went out on dates. It was, like, glorious. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. So we're so grateful for that. And uh, so if you see a youth kid, uh, give him a high five and tell him thanks. All right. Or give him a scholarship for the next youth retreat. That would be either one can go. All right. All right, so here's what I want. This morning, we're in a series called Love and Marriage. And what I'm really excited about is this reality that we've been really trying to wrap our heads around this thing that if God is love, is the associative property of math true that love is God? If God is love, is it true that love is God? And so what we kind of discovered last week that no, that's not true. Because when you say love is God, you've elevated love and whatever that means to the highest level. And so what we discussed last week is that God is love. But there is a tendency in us, right, because we don't understand uh, that God is love, probably because we think of love as just simply what? Romance. And so it is Valentine's Day. And um, let me just, so this kind of was like, I actually went to CVS and I was kind of looking around for cards for Adrian. She's not here right now. Uh, And so I was like, this is the size card we need. And uh, and, in... and I was like, this is, this is kind of my level of um, class, all right? And I was like, we need this kind of experience. And it took me back. Can I just tell you, because I'm an over-the-top kind of person, if you didn't know my person. I know, shocking, right? Now, 20, can I just, can, all right, first of all, we have, we're in the judgment-free zone, am I right? I'm about to share some things that I'm not really proud of, but it was 20 years ago, okay? And I was in my 20s, and I was single, so I had, I had some issues, okay? Can we... Chris, you had issues, all that. Okay, so thank you, thank you. All right, I need, so I, I saw this, a, a card this size in, you know, like, I, I guess I was at the grocery store or something 20 years ago, and I was like, something clicked for me. 
<laughs> and I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. And, you know, my mom always taught me, Chris, give him a thrill. Right, mom? Uh, <laughs> and, and so I was like, you know, I'm going to do something extra special. And I'm a poet, a little bit of a poet. Like, is it me? Like, uh, you know, I was an 82nd Airborne, jumped out of airplanes, loved kind of the thought of killing people was not like something I didn't think it was bad. I thought that was like, how oh, great. I get to go serve my country on freedom's frontier. And that's part of life. But I was also a poet. And so I didn't get to express that very much in the military because that's not exactly, you know, Anyway, so I went and I found, I was like, what can I do? So I went to, uh, you know, Walmart and I got one of these things. Do you guys know what this is? This is what you use for your, like, your science project. Okay. And so I was like, I got, you know, ba- like I could, you could fit three eight by 11 pieces right here. And I put, I did like, like 20 poems and I put them all over this. Okay. And I was like, I don't know who I'm going to send this to. <laughs> but I figured I would. So I wrapped it in like, you know, uh, like wrapping paper for Christmas because I thought, well, girls will think that's cute. He tried something. And so then I put it in the mail and just sent it, and I, said, I sent it to somebody. I can't even remember who it was. Maybe it was an old girl from back in the day. And I was like, wait a minute. I am the era of copy and paste. So I got that, and then I went and got another one, and I thought, I know. I got addresses for every, but every girl I knew, okay? And, and I just kind of went for it, and I started, I got, went to the post office, and I spent probably you know, $75 on postage because I just was like in the zone because I was like, I'm going to show the world what real love is, all right? It was like, and they were like dripping cheesy poems, like, I love the way your eyes look when you look at me in the soul of the night and I don't know what this is to do with myself and what a plight to discover your love, my heart's desire. You are everything, my heart's on fire. You know, that kind of ridiculousness. So that's kind of what it was. And I, it wasn't four. It was like 24. And I sent it everywhere because love is like the ultimate thing. And I just wanted to be a blessing to people. And I, I remember I actually took one personally. And she started crying. And she was so confused. And I was like, you know, listen, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> because I had confused. Listen. <laughs> I confuse as love as being the ultimate thing. And if I could give you a romantic high, that might as well be just as good as anything else. And that's where most people in here are going, like, that is the biggest DB thing I've ever heard. But the reality was, it made me feel good, so therefore, it must be good. Have you heard that before? And I think there's this part of us that sort of thinks that way. And so we've kind of created that um, r- this sort of idea, because we don't know what love is, and we don't know God is love because we think love is romance, okay? Or what about this? When you get beyond um, 25, because you've been hurt before. So where are my people under 25? You guys are so sweet and cute. Yeah, all right, you still think, <laughs> you're just like, ah, love is so beautiful and so fun, and we are just in love and love, and you're like frolicking. You, you, like frolic is a term of skipping through the park of Zilker, and you're just having the blessed time. And then after about 25, after you've been burned a couple times, you're like angry at the world, right? No, yeah, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. That was good. All right. And so what happens, you look at love as very scary because if you, you come up with some guy who's just sending romantic cards to everybody, then you're like, what, am I special anymore? Can I trust anybody's going to make anybody feel special? right? Because love is scary. Because you're about to go into the pit of despair if this doesn't work out because you have your hopes and your dreams set here. 
Okay, or let's go to where a lot of us love to live. Love is blind. And you know what love is blind means? It says, I don't want to take the time to look at their flaws or call out their flaws or do anything about their flaws because I don't want them to leave me, one. But if I were to recognize that, it might put a halt to the train that's running down the track and I can't stop it. Because I'm on the love train and ain't nobody going to tell me to put this thing on hold. And so I don't care if he's got flaws. We all have flaws. I've got flaws, you've got flaws. And you start rationalizing oddly all the flaws because love is blind. And you almost take pride in that. Okay, so that's, but some of you are like, gosh, I didn't want to feel that bad. All right, so, all right. So this is the over 25, this is the under 25, just in case you were wondering where that really generally goes. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So that's what happens. We have this mentality that, Love is God, and so therefore we got to seek out the romance, and it's scary if you're over 25, and it's naive blind if you're under, okay? That's, that's kind of my premise. And so now, uh, this morning, I want us to get into 1 John chapter 4, and uh, the Word of God will define for us what love is, okay? That's where we're going. Would you guys pray with me and ask God to bless the reading and proclamation of His Word? Jesus, you are good. <sighs> And God, I I know that on Valentine's Day, single people can feel hyper aware of their singleness. So God, I pray that they would not feel left out, but rather um, really blessed and that they are being prepared for a life that they know is going to be of you. So God, I pray that you would do a great work. I pray that you would move in the hearts of men and women this morning to uh, understand the reality that God, you are love. And our definition of love stems from who you are, not from what we want. So Lord, I pray you would bless the reading. I pray that you bless the proclamation of the gospel that you showed us the ultimate love in coming to die on the cross for our sin. And you rose from the dead. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start this bad boy off at verse 7. Are you guys ready? I did have way too much coffee this morning, so if it looks like I'm a little bit more animated than usual, Adrian goes, you drank the whole cup. And I go, I know, Scott brought it for me. Thank you, Scott. All right. (laughs) All right, here we go. Beloved, let us love one another. You're like, yes, Valentine's Day, love one another, love it. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now watch this. Anyone who does not love does not know. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. All right, there's your definition. God is love. And we're going to like, okay, what does that mean? And so we're going to say, all right, let's discover what that means. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Like we got to experience it. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, everybody say it with me, propitiate, man. Let's talk about some nerdy words for a moment, can we? This word, it's like, like it kind of feels like you probably should go to the bathroom, but you didn't get to. All right? that's, that's how I feel about it, the propitiation for our sins. This is an important word. This might be the most important word that you have in your Bible. What does propitiation mean? Something that satisfies the wrath of God. All right, that's what propitiation means. So that it goes, that not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for God's wrath 
for our sins. That's what that means. Okay, so you're like, okay, God, this is what love is. So uh, what that means is love is not merely romance. Love is sacrificial, to which almost every woman in here goes like, oh, so you're saying love is not romance? And then the husband later on is like, yeah, listen, it's all about sacrifice. I sacrifice all my, all my time at work, and so therefore I told you once that I loved you when we got married. I'll let you know if that changes. All right, love is not merely romance, okay? I'm not saying it's not romance. It's not merely romance. And there's two def- there's The Greek has several definitions of love. They have a romantic definition that's called eros. All right, the, the eros love is, uh, the way I like to put it, it's, it's our benefit at my expense. Our benefit, so something comes back to me, so it goes for you, it's a win-win. Our benefit at my expense. But sacrificial love is this. It's your benefit at my expense. And that's the way that Jesus loves, right? Remember, he comes down on the cross, and then he dies. And he's hanging on the cross going, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As his life is eked out in the most painful physical way possible. But more importantly than that, the wrath of God is poured out on him so that we might be the righteousness of God. He who know no sin... Jesus became sin on our behalf so we might be the righteous God. That, that is the beautiful, divine love. Okay, so then let's take a look at this. You've got this reality then of if that's true, and you may have heard this somewhere, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You, you've read that somewhere. You've heard that somewhere. It's in Ephesians 5.25. Well, what does that even mean? Like you sit there and you're like, okay, so I need to go get on a cross? Well, sort of. Let's see, what when Jesus talks about love, it, it's a lot of action. It, it's one of those things where uh, Jesus protects, right? He's the good shepherd. He's ready to lay his life down for his sheep. So a husband is to love his wife in a manner that's going to be protective. That's a beautiful thing. And, or what about this? He provides, and he provides in a way without expecting anything in return. Let me say it again, because I feel like sometimes when I say that, nobody hears it. Because you're like, he's supposed to provide. And then when he provides, she's supposed to, or he's, you know, he provides without expecting anything in return. How do I know this? Well, do you guys remember um, uh, the story of Jesus and the lost son? Okay, so there's this kid, uh, he's 18, he's like, yo dad, I know you're rich, I'll take half of my inheritance, you're kind of dead to me, this relationship just isn't working out, I'll take my half now. And the father like sells the estate, splits assets, gives his kid half his wealth, which you're just like, that was the worst move ever. And the kid heads off to Vegas, you guys remember this, and then he, he buys the stretch camel with the, you know, the, it, 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 he's got ladies and women and he's got you know, a sound system on the camel and it's got, uh, he's pumping the jam as he goes down the boulevard and for a while he's living the life. Next thing you know, the economy takes a downturn. The, the camel gets repoed. It's a bad scene. And he can't find work and he starts heading back to his dad. And his dad, this is the ex- expectation. Everybody's like, oh, I done told you. You, don't expect, you better earn your way back in this family. You don't get, and that's not his reality. This dad runs after his kid. Because it's his kid, and he doesn't care how screwed up he is. He's running after his boy. And that's the love of God for people. That's the love of Jesus for his church. That's the love of a husband for his wife. Okay, or what about this one? Remember in, in the way it provides? He says, like, hey, there's this, this, Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan. 
And like, how, you know, how, who, should, how, who would love your neighbor as yourself? Well, then who is my neighbor? Well, let me show you who your neighbor is. And he talks about the, the culturally different, the person that didn't grow up the way they grew up, was on, lived on the other side of the tracks. He said, all of a sudden, he tells a story about the good Samaritan who loves the Jewish man perfectly. Loves him, not because they came from the same hometown, they were enemies, Love your enemies. And then, I mean, because how many of you go like, you know what? When my enemy, I see him on the side of the road, I'm like, I'll take him to the hospital. I'm like, hey, blank check, whatever he needs. Give him all the health care in the world. Let's do it. I'll pay for it all. That's how, I mean, imagine that. So that's how, husbands, you are to love your wives. You're like, oh, man, that's okay. Or, or what about this? Uh, he pursues. There's this, the story of Jesus and the hundred sheep, and one just like he just wanders off because, you know, there's some interesting leaves. And so he followed the leaves, and he's on a cliff, and, and then the good shepherd, or the, um, the shepherd goes, and he finds the sheep, picks him up, carries on his shoulders, and brings him back. That's how a husband is to love his wife. Okay, you're just like, the, the whole thing of protect, provide, pursue, that's in there, within the context of how Jesus loves the church. Which everyone's like, well, what about, it seems like you're really hard on the dudes. Yes, headship falls on men. And so you are supposed to lead, love, pursue, and I don't care if you got rejected. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Chris, I don't think you understand how many times. Oh, I'm sorry. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he's like, oh, they're rejecting me. This is too hard. I'm going to quit. But, what, right? I'm just saying. I'm just like, I mean, is, was it too hard for him? He's sitting on the cross, taking the sin of the world. And it's like, well, they rejected me, God. I mean, ugh, can you believe they put me up here? You thought marriage was easy. <laughs> oh, that's fun. All right, so what happens is the reality is that, that that's where we, we kind of go with ourselves. And what I want you to kind of wrap your head around is that Jesus has something greater. But listen, it goes both ways. Like husbands or wives are also to love their husbands. And respect their husbands. And one of the things that I, I've found, and one of our elder chairmen here is uh, Robert Sass. And, and he and his wife, Debbie, have been married for, you know, ever because they're older. Um, no, that was, that was, no, that was, no, 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 no. But back in their 30s, okay, back, not like in the 30s, but back in their 30s, uh, the reality was that Robert was not a Christian. And his wife had been praying, and his wife had been praying, and he had this crazy porn addiction that drove him to the edge of suicide, drove him to the edge of, like, feeling so much shame because he could never live up to the expectations of his past and his dad and all the stuff. And one day, someone told him the message of Jesus, and he was radically saved. Now, radically saved means, like, he gave his whole life to Jesus, and you'd think, oh, porn free from that day forward. And that didn't happen. In fact, Robert had to wrestle and Debbie had to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and pray over him. When he confessed something, she'd pray the gospel over him. And you just saw the resilience of her soul. If I'm going to love and I'm going to love this man, I'm going to do what I can to help him get to a place of health and healing. And it's been a long road. But she wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think that's the part where we struggle because we're like... I mean, I mean, how much is, I mean, come on, Chris. I'm not, I shouldn't be expected to forgive like that. All right, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. In other words, when you love um, like God has called us to, people see Jesus in you. And they're like, oh, so that's what Jesus, I guess, would look like. And you're like, well, so yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, on my, maybe on my best day. But I mean, like the reality is you're only seeing me up here preaching, right? Like, because uh, I got some stuff. But, but Jesus, love abides in us. And then when we love others, it's transformative. Okay, watch. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And here's just real quick. If you're not a Christian or if you're not sure if you're a Christian, this is how you know. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So when you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you're like, I'm, I'm taking the trust from me and my own ability to control my life because I know that left to my own devices, I'm a complete train wreck. And I give my life over to Jesus, say, you be Lord, you be king, I'll follow you, whatever you tell me to do. That is how you know you're a believer. And his spirit abides in you. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God, what the love of God has for us. Okay, back to this thought. God is love. Here it is. And whoever abides in love abides in God. If you're like, didn't he already say that? He's, John wants to just nail this point home. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, also are we in this world. We have the full power of God now. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have full access to the kingdom of heaven. You have full access to the Father. You don't need anyone else praying intercessory for you. You have full access. That doesn't mean I don't believe in intercessory prayer. I'm just saying you have full access. You don't need to go through anybody else. My prayers aren't more powerful than yours. Go talk to him. He wants to have relationship with you, and you get to experience as he is, so are we in this world. The reality is we don't take time to spend with Jesus because who has time for that? I mean, I got stuff. I got a Super Bowl to watch, and I got a party to prepare for. I have to clean up. I mean, and then that next day, I mean, how many of you are just planning not going to work tomorrow? Right, I mean, like nobody is. So the reality is it's like the, 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 life is hard, and you're like, you don't understand. And you've got the full power of God at your access. And you're like, nah, I can't do it. And then this thought. There is no fear in love. This is huge. Because I feel like there's some people here who have a lot of fear in their love, and it's from passed down from your dad who is not nice and kind, and he was mean, and it brought to this place of darkness, and you go here every time. So there is no fear in love. So for you, there is fear in love, not because of, of maybe a, a romantic relationship, but because of a parental relationship, and it's terrifying. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I need everyone to say this with me. Perfect love casts out fear. This is huge. Why? Because for fear has to do with punishment, rejection. You're not enough. You are out. You go to your room. You go to hell. You go to get out of my way because I've got things to do as God. But when God loves you so much, he's saying, I want you and your sickness, darkness. I'll take you as you are. Complete train wreck. Bring the train wreck to the table. There's a guy at my community group last week. Hey, I didn't come to church because I was drunk. I said, you come when you're drunk. I don't care how you come. You be here. 
We will watch the power of God transform you from death to life because that's what happens over and over again. But what happens, the reason why you don't is you're afraid. And what are you afraid of? You're afraid of all those people here probably looking at me going like, oh my gosh, there he is, the sinner. We're all that person. So we don't need, listen, listen, this is the reality that you bring your sin to the table and Jesus fixes you. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God. He does the changing. Okay, is the coffee kicking in yet? All right, okay. (laughs) We love because he first loved us. So love is not scary because perfect love casts out fear. I need that to be in your heart and in your head for the rest of your life. And so the reason why this becomes important, because let's just talk about like relationship human love. Here we go. Ready? Because you've been hurt. You've been cheated on. We don't need to raise hands. You've been burnt. You've been, you, you trusted somebody and then they hurt you, and then what happens is, watch this, you don't have vulnerability in the relationship that you're in currently, okay? And here's why. You've been hurt, and you say, any normal person that has been through what I've been through would sort of put a stiff arm up to all of another person because I've already been down that road. I've already experienced that hurt. I'm not ready to go take that on again. Thank you very much. And so you add a layer You put a a breastplate on, not of righteousness, but of protection. You put some, you're going to put armor on your whole body, not against the evil one, but against your own flesh, which is your spouse. Or, okay, let's just go dating. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to ask her out because what if she rejects me? I will be a puddle. And just in case you're wondering, that's why men have just quit asking women out. They've gotten rejected so many times. Like, nah, I'm good. I'll just do the thing where we're just friends, and then we'll go friends with benefits, and then we'll move in. And th- that's how that. That's why that is, is because men are terrified. Okay. And I want some men to have this, who have the spirit of God to go. I am so in God's presence. I am so connected to my Lord that if somebody on earth rejects me, I'm like, okay, I got something better coming. Because the Lord is good. There's this verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. So when she says no, that's great news. And I think that's where we struggle. And what happens is, you got rejected in your marriage, and so you're like, nah, I'm good. I ain't going there again. And so you've retreated to the place where I'm not doing the pursuing anymore, and when she, wa- she can pursue me if she wants that all to happen. And you abdicate your leadership of your family, and you're like, I'm good. Okay? <laughs> this is why we don't want to jump into relationships. You guys get this. And that's why young people give, away love, give, away, give love away like a food pantry, and then you end up like Scrooge later on. Here, here's the reality. Here's our greatest fear. Here's our greatest fear. Our greatest fear is to be fully known and then rejected. Because right, we, I've talked to you, and I didn't even make this up. I'll, I'll, Tim Keller completely made this up, and I completely stole it. So here it is. To be, to be not known and to be loved is superficial. 
you've come to church here. You pro- maybe you were in hug by somebody you don't even really know. That's superficial. Okay, it's not that we like, I just love you in spite of all your sin. No, I love you because you haven't hurt me yet. I, I love you because you smiled at me. That, that, that's skin deep love. Listen, if that doesn't make, that's like civil, normal, inner, like discourse in the public, right? You just, you accept people and, without knowing them, all right? Watch. But our greatest fear is to be known and then rejected. That's why you don't really open up to your spouse. That's why you don't really open up to those church people. That's why you don't really open up. Because once they knew, and, or and once they knew, they'll reject you. Or you, you'll throw it out there ahead of time so you can give them, here I am. Now reject me. Reject me. I'll self-sabotage this bad boy before we can get started. Oh, too personal? But to be, watch this, to be fully known and fully loved is how God loves. And that's how we're called to love one another. Um, let me give you a, just a quick story on this. My, my son Austin, when he, a couple years ago, he was in first grade. And he, I don't know if this was a crush. I don't think he even knew that a crush was happening. Uh, however, there was a girl he liked to race because she was fast. Her name was Caden. And so Caden and him would race. And then after about a month of him talking about, I've raced this girl, Caden. She's really fast, but I think I took her. And I'm like, yeah, way to go. Don't let her beat you. Listen, we're going to train. All right. And then he comes home one day and he goes, Caden said she's breaking up with me. I go, oh, really? I go, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> but she won't stop saying it. And uh, so I was like, oh, well, that means that she really likes you. He's like, that is so confusing. <laughs> oh, welcome to the world of women right there. Uh, all right, so, uh, and so what, but what I said to him was this, and I, this is why I want you to see this. It's like, who cares what she thinks? You know what I think. I'll never break up with you. I will always be your dad, and I love you. And so I want you to go have fun at school, run the race. But when she says stuff like that, you just say, that's not true, and you move on. When you grow up to be big boys and girls and you have a heavenly father that loves you and gives you your identity and then she breaks up with you, you're fine. You're fine. When, when he breaks up with you, your world's not over. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean you don't grieve it, but your life isn't over. And I, I remember in those times, I was like, God, use this pain because this is painful. But when you're in the arms of the Father who will never reject you, perfect love casts out fear. Casts out fear of hell, but also casts out fear of people. Do you guys know that? Because you, when you can risk and be vulnerable because you have a perfect love, it transforms everything. Okay. Uh, watch this last couple verses. Uh, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Which is like, whoa, he, he. Whoa, John, that's a little extreme. Uh, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he cannot see. All right, do you understand this? You know why um, people rejected Jesus? Because he said really hard things and offended everybody. Like he'd walk in the room and be like, hey, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can have no part of me. And everyone's like, I'm done with that. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, so right now, God is very ethereal. And you, you would say, like, for those, you're, you're sleeping with your girlfriend and she's living in with you or you're in whatever relationship you know you shouldn't be in. And you would say, Jesus and I have a deal. Like, Jesus and I are cool with that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. All right. Listen, did you know that Jesus loves you right where you're at? And if so if that's where your situation is, hallelujah, I'm so glad you're here. Please do not leave. 
But God has something better for you, and he's designed like life for you within the boundaries of love that he's created. Because watch this. You know that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. You guys know this if you're a parent. When you create a rule, there's no relationship there. The kid goes bonkers. Maybe that's why you are where you're at. But if you have a relationship without rules, that's abusive. Did you guys know that? Relationship without rules. I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. That's abusive. And I think a lot of us have rebelled against this whole, you had rules and you had no relationship. And so you said, oh yeah, okay, I want relationship without rules. And so you found yourself in a place where it's all a convoluted mess. And that's not loving. That's not honoring. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. To which you're like, must? That, let's just, where's my black highlighter? Right? That, let's, let's, let's get rid of that. But watch this, because love is not blind. Love is a seen action. It's not blind. Now, um, we thought, okay, several years ago, I had, I had a woman from out of state like email me. She said, hey, my daughter lives in Austin. Um, which is, you know, it's interesting how people go to pastors and they give them these crazy requests, and we just do it, you know, because well, why not? All right, so she's like, hey, I want you to go talk to my daughter. She lives in Austin. She lives near you, and would you please talk to her about reconciling with me? I've become a Christian, and I know I made some serious mistakes in my past with her, and I want to make it right, and so I was like, all right. So I you know, I call, you know, I'm like, why not? Let's see what happens. So the daughter comes to meet with me, and you know, she's a grown woman by this time, uh, like in her 40s. And I'm like, hey, um, hey, your mom called. She's like in tears. She wants to make things right. She's feeling awful about all the things, she, how she wasn't there for you as a mom, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But she's accepted Christ, and, and, um, and she's transformed. You know, first, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Oh, this is so great. And I was like, I was thinking, this is going to be an amazing story. And I go, so, okay, so how can we set up a reconciliation with you and your mom? She's like, that's not happening. And I'm like, what? It's like, you don't understand. And she told me her story. And I, it, it wasn't a, I mean, it was a sad story. It was a, her mom was not there. Her mom did not love the way she should love. And it was sad. But I was like, wait a minute. But she's wanting to make it right. That's like your mom. And she's like, she's toxic. And I know she'll never change. Which I'm like, there's the culture, right? Once someone's labeled toxic, it's over. They're canceled. They'll never come back. Canceled! And, you know, I feel like there's Jesus hanging on the cross, being like, okay, God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, let me put an exception clause in here. There's several people who don't deserve forgiveness, and so therefore, um, I'm going to give passes to all the people who have had these cer- certain types of hurts. Did Jesus do that on the cross? Oh, no, no. He forgave everybody. Anybody who wanted forgiveness, he's like, boom. And that's what Jesus says. <clears throat> you must love. In fact, he also says, forgive. That's like part of it. You don't understand what Jesus did for you if you're harboring this grudge. And you're, listen, I, I'm not minimizing your story. Everybody's got a sad story. I, I get it. I'm not, I want to maximize your sad story. You had the worst sad story of all time. It was bad. It was sad. It was awful. People hurt you, mistreated you, abused you. It was bad. But you know what? On the cross, Jesus took it all. He took all the darkness, all the sin, all the pain, all the everything. And he says, I still want you. 
I want the brokenness. I want the dead. I want anybody who is willing to come to me. I will make you whole. And when he, when he does something in you, he transforms you from the inside out. And if you're like, Jesus, I want all of heaven. I want all of hope. But then he's not really king. You are. God, all, <laughs> forgiveness is on, on me, and I'll extend it to those whom I deem worthy. Thank God Jesus didn't do that to any of us. But there's that tendency in us to take on that role of God and take love and twist it just a little bit. Where love, as we determine it, define it, becomes our God. And if you don't love me in the way that I see fit, then therefore, you're out. Now listen, can I just, (laughs) you don't understand. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. Can you that for free? Forgiveness is given, trust is earned. So when we talk about forgiveness, that doesn't mean that you move them back into the house and you guys are hanging out. Hey, no problem. Just do that thing again to me again. Remember, we said this. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Relationship without rules, that's abusive. And so if someone doesn't understand rules within the context of relationship, then they have to have boundaries so that they are not allowed to wound and hurt you. And you're like, but and within the context of marriage, here, this one's for free as well. This is what I always get this. Where's the enforcement clause when the husband doesn't love his wife like Jesus loves the church? Where's that enforcement clause? What size club can you hit him with? There is no enforcement clause. What enforcement clause do you get when the wife doesn't submit to her husband? Where, is the rule of thumb? Is that what it is? No. There is no enforcement clause to get you will submit to my authority. I mean, like, we're going to Eric Cartman on everybody. Like, the reality is we, we got to look at people and go, it's not that you submit, woman. It's this. It's this. The enforcement clause is you bring the church involved. You bring community involved. And they're like, you are a jerk. Do you realize that? Like, at some point, that's what we need is the church to get involved. And what, listen, you always get, you don't trust church because you don't t- trust into institutions because all, you know, all institutions are bad and awful and all that. But God brought, this is bride as a church, and although we're flawed, we are trying to serve him as best we can, and we're ready to jump into marriages. We're ready to jump into dating relations. We're ready to jump into father, son, mother, daughter. That's what we do. We get messy around here. And it's not going to be perfect. But if you want to bring, if you are willing to have relationship, to have rules that God has designed around it, you're going to have beauty in relationship. And, and so this morning, I really want us to get our, my, our hearts really into this. As we, we're going to ask this question of how do you define love? Is God, if God is love, or is it, is love God? Are you going to define love in in terms of his context and his ways? And one of the things that we do to remind us that God is love is we take communion. And um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to explain communion. Then we're going to take 30 seconds. And then we're going to pause and reflect and think about how have I redefined love as God or how do I need to repent to make sure that God is love? And then we're going to take communion together. We're going to confess sins uh, before God. And God, who is faithful and just, said he promised to forgive us of all our sins. And then my, my prayer team, 
Our, our prayer team is going to come up. There'll be one team here, team here, teams in the back, all over the place. And what I want you to do is confess. So the Bible says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And a lot of us, we've got all the forgiveness in the world, but we walk around wounded. And we need some people, and we need the church to pray over us the power of resurrection so that there might be some hope of healing in our lives. Whether it was healing from a long time ago or healing from the current relationship. And we, everybody in the building, need some healing. So, if you're not a Christian here, all of this seems like a lot to take in. And you're like, Chris, I, I don't even know where to start with all that. You start here, Jesus. dead. He can raise the broken darkness of your life from the dead. He can take you in the feels like the vastness of a swirling purposeless chaos to a pointed directional arrow that God has vision for. And that first step for you is to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Said to get you in thought, word, action. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. If you are a Christian, my hope for you is that you take a solid look at yourself and go, God, where is the brokenness? Where is the hypocrisy that I've been living out on full display as if I'm trying to hide it and everybody already knows? Heal me. So let's take 30 seconds and I want you just to reflect and ask God to forgive you or maybe for the first time step into a relationship with Jesus. that he was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying this is my body given for you in other words as your body as your stomach eats the bread stomach for the bread so Jesus is for your soul take and eat in remembrance of Jesus and that same night Jesus took the cup he said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Take it, drink. Father, we worship you in spirit and in truth, knowing that you are the king, knowing that you are the savior of the world. And Father, I know that you are doing something even now. And Jesus, my heart and my prayer is that somebody may for the first time step over that line of faith. Uh, that they came to know you as their Savior and maybe took communion for the first time to celebrate that. And God, I'm praying that um, as our uh, prayer team comes forward and goes to the back, there would be this unbelievable desire for healing. And the gospel would be preached.
prayed over people saying, Jesus, I don't care who knows. I know I'm so connected to you. I know that you are my king. And I'm going to walk in that unafraid of the rejection or the vulnerability that I might face because I know you got me. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We're so grateful for you. Jesus, do that thing that you do. You reveal yourself. In Jesus' name. I want you to imagine just for a second what your life would look like if God is love and you took your definition not based on what's in it for me but based on what does God say love is and how does that call me to act in love that would change you that would change your family that would definitely change this church and it would change that city and it all could start right here would you receive the benediction go go and be a people who know God's love who live out God's love represent God's love to a world that needs to see it, hear it, taste it, and see it. Go and push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.